Hello and welcome to the Extreme Perspectives podcast. We bring you conversations with the people who see things differently and think differently. The innovators, outliers, misfits, rebels, and the crazy ones from the Sense Network. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown. I seek out extreme perspectives of people who want to change things and push the human race forward. Together, we collaborate with the world's most innovative companies to help them be more innovative. Today, we're talking to the misfit, comedy writer, artist, creative director, filmmaker, and host of the LGBTQ plus podcast, Outvertising, Joanne Oates. Keep listening as we discuss how to come up with ideas faster, making creative projects happen and being yourself, and how to become more creative by being a sponge and seeking feedback to make your ideas stronger. Hi, Joe. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, Jeremy. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, good. So I'm really excited about it. It's great to talk to you. Well, um, I know that you're a more seasoned podcaster than me, so uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a privilege to talk to you today as well. So thank you. Just to get us started, could you tell us who you are, where you're from, what you're all about, and most importantly, are you an outlier, misfit, rebel, or a crazy one? Okay, so um, who am I? So I'm Joanne Oates. Um, I'm a freelance creative director, mainly working in advertising. Um, I've got about 20 years experience in advertising and marketing, but also media and broadcasting. I was formerly a journalist, um, written for many marketing and media and LGBTQ plus titles. Um, and also was the news editor of Gaydar Radio. Um, I now host the Outvertising podcast for LGBTQ plus uh, advertising and media advocacy group Outvertising. So I speak to loads of inspirational people from our industry and I'm also an artist, filmmaker and comedy writer. So lots of things. As, as for whether one of those I am, I really thought about this and I instinctively picked Misfit. And then, and I always have to double check the meanings of things because sometimes I do use the wrong words. Um, I think that's just my creative brain going into overdrive. And it was interesting to me that misfits specifically, it's that their behavior sets them apart in an uncomfortable way. And I thought, hmm, not sure about that because I, I'm someone who doesn't like making people feel uncomfortable. However, I know that my crazy career path and my eclectic CV have certainly made some people feel uncomfortable in the past. So maybe it does fit me quite, quite well. Well, it's great to meet a misfit today. So there's a lot of different job titles you've had. And one of the okay. things, you know, we talk about a lot is that job titles can no longer really define us but there was something you you mentioned about a comedy you've just recently produced and released that yes um i mean i've always been a huge fan of comedy and one of the things that's been part of my life for about the last 10-15 years is i've been writing comedy with my creative partner who happens to be my husband as well Mark Winter and uh, we both met when we both met we were both doing a bit of stand-up in the on the London comedy circuit just very you know he was more involved in it than me and we started writing together back then but we only really started taking it seriously about 10 years ago and we've written sort of shorts and sitcom scripts and we're currently working on a comedy drama 
But as anyone will know who's been involved in any kind of screenwriting, it's a bit of a long game to try and get things out there and get them produced. So, you know, the best thing to do is just make something yourself. And uh, so we, through our advertising work, um, we met up with a little production company called The Big Sky, who were mainly known for sort of documentary and corporate films, but were really keen to do some more narrative stuff. And we sort of shared sort of some some sort of comic chops with them. So we, we just sort of pitched this idea to them. And uh, it was loosely based on an ornament that Mark's family owned, uh, which is a bronze Meiji era Japanese tiger. And it's based, it'd been in their family for a long time, but absolutely nobody knows or knew where it was from or how it was acquired. Sort of a myth about whether it was cursed or like what it's made of. And we started to find that quite interesting in the respect that a lot of families have these myths in their, um, in their, in their sort of uh, heritage around objects and stories and, and no one's quite sure what the truth is. So we just built this whole story around that. Um, wrote a 10 minute short, shot it on a next to nothing budget. Um, and yeah, we were doing the film festival circuit last year. It picked up a few awards. It features a great fem- female lead cast, including Jess uh, Foster-Q, who was up for one of the Edinburgh Awards, um, Edinburgh Comedy Awards last year. So we were really, really chuffed with that. So uh, yeah, and it's, uh, it's great because it means that you know, when we're, we're, we're pitching ideas now, we can show that film to people and go, this is the sort of thing we can do off, off our own back. But so they've got an idea of our, our comedy and our writing style. So I would thoroughly recommend anyone who's trying to get any kind of project off the ground to just actually get, get out there and make it themselves. Is, is, there's a lot of value in that. And you learn so much as well about the process. I definitely, I, it, well, DIY culture, right yeah absolutely you can rely on yourself to get it done mm. and that's yeah. why the sense network's great because you've got like thousands of people <laughs> who are who can do all these jobs like to pull together to create things i think that's what's so fantastic about collectives like that that's amazing and if people want to watch that they can find it on YouTube. it's on youtube don't sell the tiger um yeah um I'm sure we'll link to it in the show notes or whatever, but um, yeah, it's, um, or they can just look at my uh, website, joannoates.com and you'll find it on there as well. So I've got a quick question about stand-up. Yeah. Because there was a friend of mine, I think he might've been a copywriter in advertising. Maybe this is a thing that goes it's on. It is a thing. <laughs> and he, he was saying to me, it, well, you might be able to clarify this, that when you do stand-up, you have this character that you become. Or you sort of have this character in your head. I mean, I remember him telling me his his was the lazy man. So he was just very lazy. So all of his his whole his whole thing revolved around that. What what was what was your routine? When I was doing it, well, let's just say, when I was doing it, I was sort of in my mid to late twenties. I was single. I was doing a lot of dating. So a lot of my stand-up revolved around that. And just taking taking situations that you find yourself in when you're dating or you meet someone and just sort of finding the weirdness in the situations like I remember I had a load of jokes about the fact when you you end up staying at someone's house you can't work their shower and it's really embarrassing Uh, water pressure in London is really like rubbish so uh, you know it's really difficult to get a good shower when you don't know how to work it and it was just going off on these tangents about not really about the dating 
itself, but about the weirdness around it. So that was kind of my thing. That's fascinating because I think one of the things that, I mean, maybe this is because you're, you're writing ads and targeting people, but a lot, a, a lot of the work that we do as well is like creating personas because that's, you can kind of have that empathy and you can kind of create those worlds and you can design things that are more engaging for people, right? If you can kind Hopefully. of project those sort of personalities. Well, thank you for clarifying that. It's not, it wasn't just a one-off. I can start. No, it was, also, I totally recommend um, on that reading Frank Skinner's biography because he talks about the fact that when he started doing stand-up, he tried to be someone else and like put on the kind of persona and then he tried to be himself and that didn't get as like as many laughs but in the end over time he created this sort of fused kind of person his his stand-up persona and uh, I think that only actually comes with practice because a lot of people when they start out try and be something else they try and be like who that they think people want them to be it's like a lot of artistic pursuits you think you, you try and create something you think is marketable or will appeal to people rather than finding your true voice it just takes time so just um i'd be really intrigued to learn a little bit more about the meandering journey and the different hats you've worn because you had quite a long list in the introduction there so what does that journey look like over time well i had a year out before i went to university because my family moved from essex early on in essex to london and i didn't want to go to university immediately i wanted to kind of enjoy the fact that i had you know london to myself for a year so i just did a some uh, pa job for a year and when i did history of art design and film at middlesex but unfortunately when i came out of university i had huge amounts of debt and uh, it was just like guess any job any job will do and i just oh, i want to work i don't want to work in the media but i don't really know what where to start and i ended up in a in a direct marketing agency and so that's how I fell into marketing. But that forged a path with me very much being an account handler. So it wasn't particularly creative. So I was just dealing with clients, basically. And then uh, over time, I was just trying to change careers and change departments to get nearer to the creative department. So I was worked in production. I was a project manager, creative traffic. And then... I think it got to the stage where I'd actually re remembered that when I was a teenager, I really wanted to be a journalist. And so I went off and did my NCTJ, um, which is journalism qualification, and started doing some freelance journalism and eventually got jobs in journalism. And was, but was mainly actually writing about the media and marketing. Um, so I was using my experience from um, advertising and marketing agencies. And then... I got the opportunity to go and work in radio, which is when I went to Gaydar Radio and I was the news editor. And that was huge amounts of fun. It was very stressful because I'd not worked in radio before and it was a bit of a baptism of fire. And anyone who ever listened to any of my news reports will, will know that it wasn't perfect at all times. <laughs> but I really enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed talking to people about their stories. And I really enjoyed sharing their stories because one of the wonderful things about Gaydar was that we had people from all over the world listening, particularly from countries where um, being gay is still illegal and has a death penalty. And we used to get people emailing in and saying, you know, this is my only connection or only like feeling that I'm not alone. And so that felt 
like although we were a dance music station that we were actually doing something that was a value um, and had a purpose sadly uh, that job came to an end during sort of credit crunch about 12 years ago and I spent about a year kind of trying to work out what the hell I was going to do and ended up coming back into advertising as a copywriter and yeah I just I, I sort of found my feet because it, it just kind of like I had all this experience in the industry prior to being a journalist but I had all this writing experience from being a journalist so I was able to kind of fuse the two things together and because I was a bit older and had a you know a bit more just, just general life experience, um, uh, sort of fell into a really good digital agency, Digitas, and um, had a few years there. Learned a lot because I hadn't really done any digital advertising at, before that point. And then I went freelance, and I that was about seven years ago, and I've been freelance ever since. And moved more into a hybrid creative role, so more of art direction and creative direction. Um, and yeah, I've worked at, I, I think I've lost count of the number of agencies I've worked at in London and Manchester across the board. So like Adam and Eve, DDB and Havas and uh, RGA, all, all of these big agencies. So yeah, lots, lots of experience gained along the way. So. And it sounds as if the, the journalism and the radio experience has led you to your podcast. Yeah. And, and I think um, for a while I'd sort of, felt like I haven't been like so LGBTQ plus rights have always been important to me I'm I identify as bisexual myself and I felt like I hadn't really been doing anything to support the community in the way that I had been when I was working at Gaydar so um advertising which was previously called Pride AM up to about a year or so ago had started to do more with agencies and they also they'd reached out to uh, Bloom UK which is a women's communication network I'm involved in and they wanted to get more women involved in advertising and uh, yeah I got involved uh, got talking to Mark Runicus who's the chairman who also it turned out had a radio background he works on Radio Trent in Nottingham about sort of 20 odd years ago and we just started talking about podcasts and I was just like, why, why, why don't you guys have a podcast? I mean, this just seems like we want to uh, promote representation and share people's stories and inclusion. We should be sharing those stories of the people we know who work in the industry. And he said, yeah, brilliant. Why don't you do it? <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, so that's, we've been doing it for about a year now. We've had some amazing, amazing stories on there from people, um, you know, coming out. Uh, for the first time, uh, you know, not not necessarily young people, people coming out who their colleagues don't know are out. We've had people talking about their HIV status for the first time. Um, we've had, we don't just have LGBTQ plus people, we have very prominent allies. We have Pete Markey, who's the Chief Marketing Officer of TSB. He's a huge, huge um, diversity ally. So that was a really interesting conversation. Um, and we, t we talked about the lack of female representation at LGBTQ plus networks, uh, the lack of representation generally across the board. So, yeah, it continues. It's growing and growing. I mean, we just recently we started to look a little bit outside the UK landscape. Um, there's been a lot of issues in Poland over the summer with yeah. the um, right wing uh, government being reelected and LGBT community over there suffering a lot of discrimination violence and hatred towards them so we, we recently spoke to Martin Kamicic who's a who's was born in Poland but 
um, runs a diversity organisation over here. So he has a lot of insights into what's going on there. So that was a really interesting conversation. Um, and that's, that's just growing and growing. So I, I, it's, it takes, as you know, with doing podcasts, it takes time. And, you know, we're all volunteers at advertising, but I get a huge amount out of it as well as what I put in. So, um, yeah, I continue to uh, hopefully make that a bigger thing as we go on. And that can be, you can find that on wherever you get your podcasts. Wherever you basically. get your podcasts. So Spotify, Google, uh, Apple. Um, we're also on. If you look on advertising, if you just search for advertising uh, in any of the social channels, you'll uh, see us there, and we post all our episodes on there as well. It is an exceptionally good name. Yeah, there was some um, there was some debate about it because it's if you don't and because I've got a bit of an Essex glottal stop drool and if I don't enunciate it does just sound like advertising so that, and the reason why we called it that was because th there was a guide that we've been producing for about five years now called out the advertising guide it's an annual report on the state of the industry's diversity and inclusion and that guide's become quite prominent so it just felt like that was the lead the lead message and that we should run with that as the the title of the organization and that report, what sort of, um, what are you measuring? What are the important things that you're looking for? Yeah, so it's like key campaigns that we've felt throughout the year have been really great at representing diversity um, and a diverse group of people. Um, we're also looking at data sort of gleaned from various sources. There'll be a new one coming out, I think, in the new year. You can go on the website and download for free the current guide um and we go in and pre present it to agencies uh when they're going through the creative briefs and they're coming up with new ideas they're keeping lgbtq plus uh, inclusion at front of mind because you know it's super important and it's also you know the, it's been shown that you know the more diverse audiences are being covered in adverts the more people actually find them appealing there's always going to be things like the I think the, the most recent Argos ad, which caused a bit of a stink about having a, a same-sex couple in it, and like the Renault ad had a same-sex couple in it. There's always going to be people who don't like those things, but you know we need to be pushing to have more inclusion and um, you know represent better the, the diverse people in the UK. And over the years you've been doing it, is is progress being made? Yeah, I mean, we're certainly seeing uh, more agencies and more brands sort of thinking about it. Um, I know myself from going in and working in all these agencies that the progress being made internally is slow. Um, I mean, just, you know, when you go into a lot of creative departments, there aren't enough women, there mm. aren't enough people of colour, there aren't enough people who feel comfortable about being out but that's changing and there's some agencies that do it really well um, and I think it's just about making sure they understand the importance of it I mean there's a there's a commercial benefit to it particularly when you look at the sort of 16 to 30 year old category those consumers if you want to call them that they they want to see the, the what, what what you know a diverse range of people because that's what their friends look like yeah and um so so there, there is change happening, but it's slow. But uh, it's, it's positive, that's all I would say. That's good. That's, I and mean, that's why I ask this, you know, it's always interesting to, uh, it's an inside interview um, on uh, whether that progress, or whether there's still resistance and you come up against that. Do you, do you talk to 
clients as well? Do you get out to the clients? Because ultimately it's their briefs that are coming into the agencies. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's different, there is always different clients and, and there are some clients that go, yeah, we want to be progressive and we want to be seen as this. I mean, TSB is a good example because that's part of who their brand is, you know. Uh, there's always going to be clients naming no names who say they want to be progressive externally, but actually then when you're working on their briefs, it's like, oh, we want to be risky, but not too risky. You know, we've still got this kind of core audience um, and they wouldn't like that kind of thing. So you are constantly having to push. And, you know, I'll be honest, that's as a freelancer, that's quite difficult because, you know, you're always trying to work out what the politics are and where the parameters are and how much you can push push the boat with certain things so but you know it's kind of my job as you know the host of the advertising podcast to be doing that and I think the more vocal I can be doing that and the more obvious I can be into being an advocate in that way it it, it feels like it's authentic I think it's when sometimes there's a bit of a problem where people are pushing for things but they're not pushing for them authentically like they're not telling the story from the right point of view so there's always a balance to be struck, but we sh- shouldn't stop trying. I think that's the main message I would have. Absolutely. Fully support that. The, um, your role as a freelancer, do you position yourself as someone can help on specifically those types of briefs? Or Yeah, I mean, that's, that's you know, part of, part of my offering, if you like. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think actually just there's, a, there's lots of things. I mean, also just being a woman, um, I mean, very recently, um, so I work with my partner, he's, he's male, um, a straight man. And so quite a lot of the time you are up against a lot of all male teams. That's, you know, that's kind of a given. But I do think that what I've seen actually in the last six months even is that agencies reaching out and whilst they can't specifically say, oh, we want to have a female team or we want to have a, a mixed team that does seem to be the conversations you end up having when you get on the job that's like we really wanted to have a a a male and female team on this so that we had sort of two perspectives and I mean I'm I'm of the view that anyone should be able to work on anything but sometimes there are certain things where you feel like oh well you're only going to have a perspective unique perspective on that if you've either got experience in it or you just have, you know, you've had some experience in life that might be able to add value to the storytelling. I, I think that point you make there is, is really what's at the essence. And we've been writing a lot about cognitive diversity and we've been pulling this together. And there was a good, good piece uh, we found in the Harvard Business Review, which talks about cognitive diversity and how they, how they, how they define that. And to your point there, it's about, perspective but then it's about how your your processing style as well and those mm. are two determining factors and that perspective you think can come from those life experiences yeah and that's just so valuable well you know first and foremost it, it can create some empathy which is i know a word that we all hear a lot it's a bit like hearing the word authentic 20 years ago it certainly wore itself out and you know empathy's come through now but the, um, the idea of mixing it up, I think we're just at the beginning. I think, you know, these conversations that you're creating and the awareness you're raising is just so important because you can't have one-dimensional views anymore. You've got to have, you know, many different views. And that, and that for me is the, 
is so almost the logical progression of where we're going, but there's a lot of very important things uh, that need to be done. The piece around perspectives and teams, I just think, yeah, I mean, for so long, it has been very one-dimensional, a very particular view on the world, and it's rare that that gets disrupted. And I just think the creative industries, more than anything else, would benefit so, well, so much from, from that, bit, that bit being sort of um, shaken up a bit more. Yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been booked on a job um, and that's when I've worked with Mark or on my own where I've turned up and I've been the only woman on a project and there's 10 other guys, freelance creatives on it. And, and that's in recent years. And, and usually, and then it's for a household product where, you know, women often are the uh, deciders of what gets bought. Um, and it's just sort of, it's sort of taken till now to people to go, oh, right, yeah, we, we don't want some people who have just been through ad school uh, who are white and male and straight. Maybe we want some other thought processes on this. Yeah. You know, it's crazy, but yeah, I mean, that's what needs to change across the board. Because the thing is, I, I never went to ad school. I, okay, I worked in advertising and marketing before I became a creative, but, you know, I've worked in journalism. That's a whole different thing. I've dabbled in comedy. I've done all sorts of things. And all those experiences uh, have allowed me to have different thought processes. This is someone who, you know, went to, uh, did advertising at, at university, went straight into a, a, a you know, a um, internship and have worked in that agency for 10 years. So I think it's just inviting all, all types, all peoples, all ways of thinking and all experiences into the room. Well, that's certainly what we're trying to do with the Sense Network yeah. with, <laughs> is, is getting those voices from the edges rather than yeah. the mainstream voices. I mean, sometimes I think about new ideas. When you bring them into the world, you almost need to immunize them. It's a bit, it's a little bit like, you know, a pinch of dirt is good for you because it kind of builds up your immune system. And I think it's a similar thing with ideas. And the more perspectives that are bomb those ideas can be bombarded with, the stronger they become. It like builds up their immune system for those ideas to survive um, in the wild, if you like, yeah. on their own. And it's through that process of um, th that feedback that you get. I mean, could call it research, but it's just not as much fun to call it research. It's, you know, feedback. Because it's just about having a conversation. Even when you look at these guys who you think have got very single-minded visions and they've done it all on their own. No, they've probably got a group of people, they're, they're trusted friends who are going to tell them an idea is completely crap. Or mm, they're absolutely. going to build on this, or they're going to stretch it, or they're going to challenge it. And I just don't think there's enough of that. Yes, and I've, one thing I've been really enjoying getting involved with with the Sense Network is the creative intelligence course that I've just been experiencing, which has been really great because just getting people together from, they've been all over the world, you know, setting us little challenges. And some of them, you know, they've challenged me because I've thought, oh, what, 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 why am I thinking about this? And then you start something and then some new thoughts come. And then I'm thinking about some other projects over here that that stimulated a thought for. And I just love this idea of like stretching your mind in these, all, all these different ways and finding new ways to do that. And um, I'm a big, big advocate of, of making sure that 
everybody has those opportunities to do that, whether you work in the creative industry or not, you know, whether you have a creative job title or you work in a creative company. It's really important that we can all kind of feel we can stretch our minds and, and open them up to new things and new thoughts. I know there's another project, like you're not busy enough with everything else, <laughs> but you've got a project that's about to launch. Is that right? Yeah, that, yeah that's right. And it, it goes back to what I was just saying about, um, you know, obviously I've said, you know, I've worked in advertising, I've worked in marketing, I've worked as a journalist, I've worked on radio. I'm, I'm a cu- I, I just love learning about things. And like my, my dad, when I was growing up, Whilst neither of my parents were particularly creative, that's changed now. My mother has recently sort of become an artist. My dad always said, be a sponge. And that didn't mean nick cigarettes off your friends. It meant soak everything up because you don't know when you might need it. Uh, And I think I took on board what he said. And he was a big, big fan of buying us educational presents for kids uh, for Christmas on top of like, you know, the, the Cindy house or the, you know, Star Wars toys or whatever. Uh, he would buy something educational from him and it would be like a f- fun book about art or something to do with writing or whatever and uh I really took that on board and I remember he was he's a big fan of just reading pamphlets or trade journals or things like that and I, I've taken that on board and the thing is all this use so say useless information goes into your head but for me that's like data that goes in and then I don't know what's going to come out and I think that's really exciting so what I've what I've started to do and what I started to do at the beginning of the year was write down all the ways that I got to an idea now that might seem like well how do you come up with ideas because sometimes it's just a subconscious thing and you you have no idea how they pop into your head but I always knew that there were some little things that I did that were sort of instinctive and there were tricks that I'd learned from other people in advertising or in journalism or, you know, even even like I play guitar. So learning the guitar or just little things or stuff I'd read about and started making a list. And I thought, oh, well, it would be, be really lovely to share these with people, like just a, sort of as a collection of blog posts. So I'm launching this thing called fasterideas.com. And I know that title will be co- contentious because... People go, well, you can't, you, ideas that come fast aren't necessarily good. That's not the point. It's about having access to nudges and tips in a fast way, in an accessible way that doesn't require you to read, read a 400-page book to understand the neuroscience and understand how your mind works. It's for people who get stuck when they've got to come up with a new thought or a new way of doing something by that afternoon and just need a little bit of help. And so they can read something in sort of a couple of minutes and it might, it might stir something. It might not. They might just remember it for the future. So that's what I'm planning to do. That sounds, that sounds very cool. And I look forward to seeing. Now, can I put you on the spot and ask you for a little example? Yeah, of course. Um, so one of my favourite things to do when uh, I've got a copywriting task is, um, and it's like someone saying, oh, can we just have like a whole bunch of lines? Is... Uh, is song lyrics and that's not to just copy song lyrics but song lyrics are a wealth of like phrases and wordplay and some of the great lyricists just put words together in a way that you would never never thought of and songs are really accessible so you know you can you can search for song lyrics you can you can just go on spotify and just 
put in a word and uh, and a bunch of song titles come up by artists that you wouldn't you don't even know and you can go down these little rabbit holes and you just don't know where it might help you come closer to an idea and it, could, it doesn't matter whether you're working on like bleach or you know or you're trying to write a write a speech for a conference or something it just might help you come up with a, a, a small phrase or a bite-sized thing that might that might just lift lift up what you're doing or push you in a particular direction love it i'm smiling because only this morning i was quoting morrissey we have a, we, we we have a we have a colleague who nearly always wears black and so i know I, what you're gonna say <laughs> what am i gonna say he wears black on the outside because that is how he feels on the inside. Exactly. And of all the days, he turned up today not wearing black. <gasps> yeah, we, that, was, that, that was good to see. But I, I, I love that. I recognise that as a, yeah. as a really nice technique. And there's so many others. And, and, you know, I'm a bit of a magpie. I've, I've picked things up from different places. If I read an article about something, I'm like, oh, That'll be a good fuss. And it could be something to do with like mathematics or, or, you know, sort of costume design or something like that. And it's like, oh, do you know what? We could, you could use that in other circumstances that doesn't necessarily have to pertain to that industry. Yeah. Um, and that, that's what I think is exciting about it. And that's, that's the thing about sharing it because only people in that industry might know that trick. And that's what I've learned from working on different industries is that you can take these experiences with you and help other people as you go by sharing them. So I'm just going to join some dots because that's clearly what you've been doing with the fast ideas. But that's, that's exactly the piece about perspective and about processing styles. You know, a physicist and a historian are going to have different ways of solving problems. And, you know, it's like when you walk up to a problem for the first time or you look at a brief for the first time, how you frame that and how you think about it can be completely different to the next person. This is why I love putting things on the wall sometimes. And someone walks into a room and they go, oh, what's that? And they'll come and trying to interpret what it is. And you'll just go, well, that's really interesting because that's not what it is at all. But in that moment of them not knowing what it is and trying to make sense of it, that's often, you know, it's just, that's that sort of a bleak thing. It just enters your peripheral vision and suddenly, bang, you've made a creative leap. So, um, yeah. yeah I, and just a point on that. I mean, also, because I because I paint as well. And I've only recently, uh, I belong to a few sort of art groups online. And what's been amazing about that is sharing your work with people and getting their feedback. And my, my stuff's very abstract and testing out new ideas. And you, when you share things with people and, they, and their perspectives of what they're seeing is so completely different from what you sort of had intentions for. That's so exciting. That's so exciting because that means we all perceive the world so differently and we've so, got so much to give each, offer each other in terms of new thinking. I could not agree with you more. But I wanted to ask, with Faster Ideas, that's something that's just about to, to come live. And I think I know, my, I know myself, I'd be fascinated in, in, in diving deeper into that. I'm sure members of the Sense Network around the world would too. Is there anything that the network could do to help you on but the Faster Ideas project? Well, I mean, as I just said, you know, having different perspectives and different inputs is is so so encouraging and, and really exciting to do. So obviously I'm going to be sort of writing a lot of it, but there's, you know, an invitation, open invitation for collaborations, whether that be guest blog posts. Um, I'm hopefully going to be speaking to people 
as things progress or doing interviews with creatives, but that could also be creative thinkers from different industries, so scientists, teachers, and any industry where you have to think in a creative way or you have to use creative thinking in your job. I'm also looking at creative book reviews, so I'm not against reading books on creativity. That's not what it's about, but it's about helping share some of the best ones. So I've just actually read... John Cleese's new book on creativity um, yesterday. So I'll be doing little book reviews, but I'm open to other people sharing their favourite creative books because I think people have all got their favourites that they like to pass on and just be nice to sort of hear what people like about them. Um, but that's, that's you know, there's, other, there's probably other things that will come. I think next year as the world starts to open up a little bit more again, uh, potentially there might be some events and more, more things we'll do. But I'm, I'm just open to having chats with people about when they start to see the content, it might sort of spark off a few ideas about how they want to get involved. So I'd really love to hear from them. Amazing. Well, um, I'm sure when the time comes and we can share the link to faster ideas, we'll get that feedback. Yeah. That amazing. Thank you. Well, thank you, Joe. That's been amazing. A really great journey, some really great topics. And thanks for, thanks for sharing that and thanks for joining us. Oh, it's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Jeremy. That brings us to the end of a great conversation with Joanne. Please check out her comedy, Don't Sell the Tiger on YouTube, and subscribe to the Advertising podcast wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Make sure you nurture your creative intelligence and take some inspiration too from fasterideas.com. We will be back soon with another mind-expanding and inspirational conversation. Thank you for tuning in to Extreme Perspectives from the Sense Network. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. If so, please share it with your friends. We'd also love to hear what you think, so please leave us a comment. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at The Sense Network. And if you want to get hands on, collaborate on a project to make things better and make better things for people and the planet, join The Sense Network, linked in the description. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to the next time.